Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. You are listening to U2 and the Soweto Gospel Choir with the best version they have ever recorded of Streets Have No Name. We play this every Wednesday. Well for Midwin Charles, because this is her night. And we miss Midwin and love her and think of her every single day. Um, and welcome to the show. I'm John. Chris Hauselt, our executive producer, is running this monster from South Carolina. I'm sorry, the song is too good. we got to keep playing this. we got to keep turning back up. Thea Harper running the show from Brooklyn. I guarantee whatever they're playing in Vegas in the sphere is not going to be as good as this. And we have a great show planned for you tonight. Um, all returning guests tonight, except this time it's a little bit controversial. I hope you'll stay with us. It's always a good sign when I announce a certain guest and I get 7,000 people telling me on social media, I refuse to listen. That's 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 a good thing uh, because I'm not doing this show to please anyone. I'm doing this show to try to get different points of view. We've had everyone on the conservative side from, God, Chris Christie to Scotty Nell Hughes to Trent Lott has done this show. And uh, I think tonight's guest is a lot less controversial. And I really hope you will listen. And judge the conversation on the issues that are discussed. Uh, there's so much to go through today. Merrick Garland spent the afternoon being grilled by a bunch of fame whores on the Republican side, trying to attack him loud enough to get a clip on Fox News. And that's all they were doing. Following a meeting this week in New York City, Joe Biden invited Benjamin Netanyahu to the White House and is teasing that there may be an upcoming agreement. Some kind of peace treaty, some kind of understanding between Israel and Saudi Arabia which uh, could be a a very positive game changer. We're one week away from the next Republican primary debate. Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson are the only two who have not yet qualified for the debate. And former Trump aide Cassidy Hutchinson just 
claimed that Rudy Giuliani slipped his hand up her skirt on the day of the Capitol riot. This is only believable if you've paid attention to anything Rudy Giuliani has done in the last 25 years. Look, there's one thing I want to talk about tonight, and it's that Donald Trump has finally begun losing the fake Christian vote. Sorry for our tech problems, but let us know what you think about this. Uh, Maybe you've heard this recent ad from the Progress Action Fund. These were the guys who created that ad, Keep Republicans Out of Your Bedroom, a few months ago, which is on a short list for the political ad Hall of Fame. They're a Democratic super PAC, and their new ad about abortion is something you have to hear. Give a quick listen. I can't believe this. My daughter was raped. And you're not going to do anything? I'm sorry. They'll put us all in prison if we do the procedure. He's right. I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion. No exceptions. She's just 12 years old. I'm not letting you destroy her life. I won the last election, so it's my decision. I'm just going to watch your daughter and make sure she doesn't do anything illegal. It's a great ad. It's a powerful ad. It's a scary ad. And it's very, very effective. Yes, one note. I have one note. Yes. Why does the Republican congressman sound like Chuck Schumer? I think it's a a mistake. I would agree. It's not helpful that he sounds like Chuck. He doesn't really sound like he's from Queens as much as Chuck. But these are the guys who had the creepy Republican congressman at the couple's bedside when they were getting it on in that last ad. It's just their thing. And I thought it was a good ad because, as you guys know, women's reproductive freedoms will be a driving issue in the next presidential election and your next congressional and Senate and state and local elections. And now Donald Trump is facing blowback for the first time from right wing Christians and anti-abortion Christians for calling the ban on abortion after six weeks a terrible thing and a terrible mistake in that interview that was on Meet the Press over the weekend. See, Donald Trump has really twisted himself around a lot over abortion. uh, And it's interesting considering he's the one who's made all of these evil laws possible with his appointment of three right wing fake Christian justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. And they're all fake Christians. I'll get to that. See, Donald Trump is smart enough to know that overturning Roe v. Wade, which he promised to do, is incredibly unpopular. He recognizes how unpopular these abortion restrictions are. And he probably knows that every woman who bleeds out in a hospital parking lot is going to be blamed on him because it's his fault. And since Roe v. Wade went down last year, many Republican-controlled states have passed these heartbeat bills that ban abortion as soon as there's any kind of fetal electrical impulses, usually in about the sixth week of pregnancy. I don't even like calling them heartbeat bills because a six-week-old fetus doesn't have a heart yet. But these policies, these rabidly anti-woman's freedom policies that have nothing to do with what's in the Bible, have hurt the Republican Party at the ballot box. And it's hurt them in state elections. They got creamed for it in 2022, and they know it's going to be rough next year. And a lot of Republicans are worried about it. Now, Way back in time, on Meet the Press in 1999, Trump, back in his 50s, said, I am very (laughs) pro-choice. I want to give you a quick clip. Here is with the late Tim Russert, uh, the late Donald Trump, explaining how deeply pro-choice he really is. Very pro-choice. I hate the concept of abortion. I hate it. I hate everything it stands for. I cringe when I listen to people debating the subject. But you still, I just believe in choice. But I am strongly for choice, and yet I hate the concept of abortion. But you would not ban it? No. Okay, so he would not ban it. 
And then, of course, you just heard the clip. Let's play it one more time of uh, Donald Trump in 2016 on Chris Matthews. Remember him? Here's Trump on Chris Matthews. Now he's changed his mind. He said that he watched a family that was going to abort and decide not to. And that changed his mind on it. But in 2016, this is Trump campaigning on punishing women. And the majority of voters said no to this. Believe in punishment for abortion. Yes or no is a principle. Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment for the woman. Yeah, there has to be some form. OK, there you go. So then came the Meet the Press interview on Sunday where he called that six week abortion ban. Ron DeSantis is bragging about a terrible mistake. But he refused to tell Kristen Welker where he stood regarding how late you should be able to get an abortion. And he totally chickened out of committing to whether it should be decided at the state or federal level. Give a quick listen. This is Donald Trump, his new opinion this last weekend. Give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to happen President, is you're going to have to... This question, Kristen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I would I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Boom. Hence the blowback. How do I sound, Chris? Am I okay? Do I sound all right? We back on the track again? Like butter, baby. Oh, thanks, Donald Trump, for talking so much. So there's three different opinions. And a lot of folks at the left really jumped on Trump and said, oh, look, he doesn't have the guts to actually come out and say what he would do. Uh, I think Trump actually did something very politically shrewd. I think it was very smart. He campaigned in 2016, say, if you overturn Roe, it'll just send the matter back to the states and the states can decide. And even in the red states... Every time abortion's been on the ballot since they got rid of Roe v. Wade, the abortion rights side has won. I mean, in Kansas, for God's sakes. Remember the Republicans cared about states' rights? Yeah, not really. They only care about states' rights when they're defending racism. Now, uh, Donald Trump is very ignorant about many things, but he's also rather clever and cunning about many things. Not necessarily stupid. Uh, uh, Donald Trump is a lot smarter than people who vote for Trump and believe he has conviction on the abortion issue. And Donald Trump is a lot smarter than Ron DeSantis about what it takes to be elected president. Here's Ron DeSantis on ABC gleefully attacking Donald Trump's shifting positions on abortion compared to his own abominable stance. You uh, provide pro-life protections that says when a, when a baby has a heartbeat uh, that there's protections. Uh, that is not something that pro-lifers think is terrible. They think that that is a noble and just thing to do. Of course, there have been many other states uh, that have also done that. He claimed uh, to be pro-life. He spoke at the, the March for Life and was waxing eloquently about how everybody counts. Um, for him to then attack people like Iowa, South Carolina, Florida, all these other states, uh, I thought was a big mistake. But look, I mean, I think he's... Um, 
He's uh, taking positions that uh, I think are different from what he took in 2015 when he first came onto the scene. And, and I do think he's a different candidate today uh, than he was back then. Uh, and I think the one back then was probably closer to where Republican voters want to be than the latest iteration. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, I, I, I bet I gained a solid seven points and I'll only be 40 points behind him in the next poll. Hey, Ron, it's not a heartbeat and it's not a baby and it's not in the Bible. And it's not something Jesus ever comes out against. You're thinking of the death penalty. But here's the thing. Trump is smarter than DeSantis, because when Trump says conservatives who are oppose any exceptions for like rape and abortion, when he says they're not going to win on this issue, he's right. He's actually giving you very good advice, Republicans, if you want to be elected. And, and Trump's abortion comments aren't just true. They're going to play a lot better in the general election than Ron DeSantis wanting to ban it for everyone at five weeks. Donald Trump is showing you why he's more electable. But some people are too damn mired in their fake Christianity, where they have prioritized something Jesus never mentioned while rejecting everything he did. And this will help him in the general. DeSantis, it's going to sink him. Can you imagine if DeSantis is embracing a six-week abortion ban and he gets the nomination? Can you imagine the ads against him? So Trump's on the campaign trail today in Iowa. And he's trying to balance out all the outrage, because let me tell you, after he criticized the Florida six-week abortion ban, a lot of right-wing folks flipped out. Kim Reynolds, the very popular Republican governor of Iowa, which is an important state that Trump kind of needs to win. By the way, that caucus is the same day as his second E. Jean Carroll defamation trial begins. She spoke out against it today. She didn't refer to him by name, but she said it's never a terrible thing to protect innocent life. I'm proud of the fetal heartbeat bill the Iowa legislature passed and I signed in 2018 and again early this year. Marjorie Dannon Pfizer, the president of the anti-abortion group Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, she pushed back and said Trump was wrong. He's criticizing a law and lawmaker that acted following the will of the people on what he made possible through the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And Trump's catching it from all sides. Uh, Michael Damastis, a Des Moines pastor who's met with a lot of the candidates, said he thinks Trump's remarks will hurt his standing in the Iowa caucus. But here's the deal. Donald Trump posted on his filth social website, in order to win in 2024, Republicans must learn how to talk about abortion. This issue cost us unnecessarily, but dearly in the midterms. Donald Trump is right. And he's smarter than the Republicans on this issue. And they don't want to hear it. Bill Cassidy, senator from Louisiana, he wants to say he's the most pro-life president. Then he says, maybe not. I'm sure he's trying to make a play for Iowa evangelicals and others. But here's the deal. My right-wing Christian friends, you're not followers of Jesus. You're not actually being good Christians. Your religion is very simple. It's criminalizing abortion and pretending you're better than other people. You, evangelical anti-abortion voters, were a gullible chick that Trump talked into bed. He told you what you wanted to hear. And you turned a blind eye to everything else. You turned a blind eye to his entire history on religion and his entire history on abortion. You turned a blind eye to how he treats people. You didn't care about his corruption. You didn't care that he stole from veterans with a fraudulent online university. You just gave it all up because he said a nice word. You guys are the Carmela Soprano of Christianity. Because Christianity, right-wing Christianity, has prioritized abortion over all other issues. But Jesus never mentioned it. The Bible's not against it. In Genesis, life begins with first breath. In Exodus, God asserts that a fetus is property and a woman's life has more value in his eye. In the book of Numbers, chapter 5, God gives rather specific instructions for unfaithful pregnant wives how they can terminate a pregnancy and induce a miscarriage. 
Jesus never mentioned abortion. His religion of Judaism isn't against abortion. In Israel today, abortions are legal and free. He was against the death penalty. Mm, You don't really agree with him on that. And let's be honest, evangelical right-wingers, you don't agree with Jesus on much of anything. But abortion is the magical, evil Slytherin house spell. It gets followers of Jesus to vote against everything Jesus talked about by talking about something Jesus never talked about. So right-wing Christians, it serves you right. Because right-wing Christianity is an abortion. Y'all have aborted the actual teachings of Jesus. You have terminated Jesus' command to welcome the stranger with how you treat migrants, with how you treat (laughs) refugees, with how you treat the Christian refugees at our border. Y'all have violently sucked out Jesus' command that nations and individuals must care for the poor and sick. Oh, you don't like that. Prayer against care. You guys have free-based morning-after pills on Jesus' commandment to treat the least of us, like migrants, trans people, poor people, as you would treat him. You guys have aborted Jesus' commandment to not execute people. And I've said it before, but you guys are in a Rolling Stones cover band. And all you cover are songs by Nickelback and Diddy. You know what that means? It means you're not really a Rolling Stones cover band no matter what you call yourself. So right-wing Christians, find a new name for your group. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. I think we have our tech problems all set up. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with the great Bob Seska and your calls. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Imagine my surprise when I opened up Twitter, and if you're like me, whenever you go on Twitter, the first place you go is to see what Donald Trump Jr. thinks about things. I'm fascinated. And to see Donald Trump Jr. posted, I'm sad to announce my father, Donald Trump, has passed away. I will be running for president in 2024. And my first thought was, well, the douche doesn't fall far from the bag. Imagine how crushed I was to find out that Don Jr. had been hacked. Poor guy. Wow. 
for the first time, something hard has happened in his life. For more, let's go to the great Bob Seska, host of the Bob Seska Show, one of my favorite pundits and one of the best podcasters on politics in the business. Maybe you listen to Bob every week on Stephanie Miller. We are glad to have him here on Wednesdays. Bob, welcome back. Are you okay? And is Don Jr. okay? (laughs) Thanks, John. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is one of those things where I woke up to that news. I saw that tweet from Don Jr.'s account saying that his father had passed away and the jubilance that went across my face, that the the sense of excitement. I said on Stephanie's show this morning that there were like cartoon birds flying around and flowers exploding in the room. It was just like such an exciting moment. And then I read that, oh, his account was hacked. Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. So it's like almost like that gif of uh, Pedro Pascal where he starts out and he's laughing hysterically and then it turns into hysterical sobbing. <laughs> mm. That was me. That was me this morning. Yeah. As as you know, the highest I, high and the lowest low. Yeah. Now, as you know, I, I wish no harm on Donald Trump whatsoever. Uh, I, I want him to live a very long time, preferably in a cell in The Hague. But I want him to live for a very, very long time. Uh, although I, I will say, and I've said this before, I, I am looking forward to his funeral because... You know Melania is bringing a date. You know Melania is <laughs> yeah. bringing a date. Uh, but but Don Jr. got hacked. That's that's all it is. There was and there was actually worse stuff than that. The hackers did right. Yeah, uh, I don't know what else they did. I mean, I don't oh, know how, yeah, they what did could something. be worse than promising oh, Donald Trump's death and then reneging on that because they it's a they, they, they they said a word that white people shouldn't say. Uh, oh, there was yeah, that. I saw that. That, that yeah, came out yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so um, we regret to inform you all that Don Jr. has control of his Twitter account again, <laughs> and you can expect the petulance to come vomiting out of your screen anytime you want to go over there. So thoughts yeah. and prayers, Don. Um, Bob, I, I wanted to ask you about this new revelation that prosecutors have a brand new cooperating witness in the case against Donald Trump, the one I know which case there's seven. This is the yeah. one in the federal court in Miami. Um, Molly Michael is someone that a lot of folks haven't heard of. She's not as famous as a Hope Hicks, but wasn't she Trump's executive assistant, both in the White House and then after? Yes, she was. And and the first thing I, I noticed about the story, because I wasn't aware of Molly Michael until the story dropped uh, the other day. And I realized, oh, I get it. Molly Michael. Molly Michael sounds like a name that Trump would be attracted to, like a central casting name, like uh, (laughs) Mad Dog Mattis, you know, something like that. Or for that matter, as you said, Hope Hicks. He likes the alliteration very, very much. Mm. And so I saw Molly Michael like, oh, well, of course, Donald Trump hired someone named Molly Michael. And of course, this person he didn't vet because he thought, okay, well, I guess uh, she sounds like she would be a good executive assistant. I mean, Molly Michael sounds like the name of a, an assistant from like a 1940s screwball comedy or something like that. As a, <laughs> I agree. Naturally, Cass- he's Cass- going to be attracted to that person. Yeah, it's Cassidy Hutchinson sounds like a, a popular series of books about a teenage girl sleuth in the 50s. <laughs> yes. Fuckery abounds. A Cassidy Hutchinson mystery. Yeah. And, and Hope Hicks. My <laughs> God. Right. They all Hope Hicks never learn about Hope Hicks. So, yeah. Right, right. Um, but what's interesting is, thanks to ABC News, we now know that Molly Michael actually goes by a different name, uh, Trump employee number two. (laughs) Yes, she does. And that's going to be the name remembered by history, because this uh, particular witness in all of this could be the thing that convicts Donald Trump as far as the Mar-a-Lago espionage case goes. Because and it wasn't necessarily the fact that Donald Trump, apparently, according to Molly Michael, was writing to do lists on the backs of classified documents, basically cue cards 
that he would use in, you know, uh, negotiations on the phone or calls with foreign heads of state, classified information on the front of the cue card. Then he was when he was done with a phone call and he needed a hamburger or another Diet Coke or whatever, a new supply of orange face makeup for himself. He would put the to do list on the backs of those classified documents. But that wasn't the the story or that wasn't the part of the story that was the most shocking part the most shocking thing in all of this is that donald trump instructed molly michael apparently that when the fbi asks her about the documents at mar-a-lago that she not reveal that there are documents so basically he said you don't talk about the boxes with the fbi which as we all know at this point because we're all basically experts Mm -hmm. in the law thanks to donald trump that that is witness tampering. <laughs> that's that witness is, tampering. That's obstruction. That's that's yeah. a no no. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Molly Michael joins a, a prestigious group of Trump assistants, who are really, I think, the keys to these cases, especially the Mar-a-Lago case, which also involves Yusuf Tavares and uh, Carlos de Oliveira and Walt Nauta. And these people, I wonder if they realized when they signed on for these jobs, what they were getting themselves into. Exactly. Because that's the thing I keep thinking about, because exactly. these aren't high powered political appointees. These aren't power hungry uh, politicians or lawyers looking for a step up or looking to get in on the grift. These are just regular people applying for a job, applying for a gig, probably for shitty pay. And now they're wrapped into espionage and obstruction of justice and destruction of evidence and all these things. You you wonder, did they not did they not read the news? Did they not understand who Donald Trump was? And you could say you could say that about Rudy Giuliani or any of them. But uh, these guys especially, it's kind of sad. There's kind of a sad element to it because they're just regular people. Yeah, it, it is. But in the case of Molly Michaels, she's someone who, you know, worked for Trump when Trump sent back those first 15 boxes. You know, he sent a few back. And that's very telling yeah. because he wasn't prosecuted for the boxes he actually complied and sent back. He was prosecuted mm. for all the ones he kept. And that's when she quit. And she yeah. turned over calendar entries. She turned over texts. She turned over emails, hardcore evidence that cannot be refuted. And she really gave the prosecutors all the information they need to know about the day-to-day activity at Mar-a-Lago in these moments. She took photographs of the boxes before Trump went through some of them and and turned those in. She turned over classified note cards the FBI agents missed in their search. I mean, she was very, very thorough. And again, Trump told her to keep quiet. So, you know, Walt Nauta, not a very good liar, but uh, Molly Michael didn't have to. It just occurred to me, John, and I don't have the answer to this question. I'm just asking hypothetically, even maybe there was an NDA in this case. It seems like someone like Molly Michael would sign a non-disclosure agreement because Donald Trump has everyone sign non-disclosure agreements. The guy shows up at his front door with a pizza. He's going to make that pizza delivery guy sign a non-disclosure agreement. But it seems like that might be an issue coming up here as far as Donald Trump trying to force enforce that NDA in some fashion. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't even know if it exists, but it seems like that may be a factor in all of this. The real question for me, Bob, is not so much how damaging her uh, testimony and evidence will be to Trump. The question for me is how badly is Trump going to try to smear this woman? I mean, ABC News got the information. We don't know how they got it. We don't know who leaked it. But now Trump knows that his former executive assistant, and again, she's one of the people, like Cassidy Hutchinson, who worked for him in the White House, 
And then after all that, after family separation, after January 6th, she decided to go work for him in Florida and then she quit. That's the same play as Cassidy Hutchinson. And apparently she turned over a lot of text messages she shared with Donald Trump's body guy, Walt Nauda, who was the one who actually physically moved the boxes, which means the feds are one step closer to Nauda, which means they are one giant step closer to Trump. Yeah, I mean, how is Trump just not perpetually shitting himself uh, over all of this? Because it seems like this is an open and shut case. It seems like he is literally surrounded by a mountain of evidence going against him in this Mar-a-Lago case. And in fact, there's a lot of people analyzing this saying, well, the Mar-a-Lago case is the, the most iffy one of them all because of Judge Eileen Cannon and her involvement in all this and, and the idea that it may not even get to trial because of her. I, I find that unfathomable. It seems like that would be such a justice malpractice it's, it's, right? to not take this thing all the way to trial would be uh, some level of madness. I don't even know how that would even work, but apparently Judge Eileen Cannon has the power to make sure that this doesn't go to trial. And I, I don't even yeah. know what that would mean in the long run, but this is, to me, this is just so obvious. It's such a slam dunk against Trump. I mean, look at this young woman. She has no reason to lie. She She's not like, it's not like she's looking for a better plea deal because she's never been charged yeah. with any crime and she hasn't done anything wrong. Her story has been consistent the whole time. She's the one who returned classified documents to the FBI as soon as she discovered they hadn't found them in her desk. I mean, yeah. she's pretty clean. This is going to be really interesting for Donald Trump. It's He can smear her all he wants to MAGA, but they've already got her testimony. And this is, yeah. I guess, Trump is more afraid of the state trials, like, you know, in New York and definitely in uh, Georgia, because he really believes you know and this is what scares me the saudis are cutting oil production mm-hmm. gas prices will be up next year trump really thinks he's going to be able to get to the white house and pardon himself of all federal charges <laughs> yeah right yeah well that's the least of uh, our worries at this point as far as trump goes but as far as the smearing you mentioned the donald trump smearing molly michael and some of these other witnesses i don't think he's going to do that i i think that's Tell when me. even judge cannon would snap him back as far as witness tampering goes Uh, But I think that he would uh, have his surrogates. He would have his lackeys in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex go after her, which they probably (laughs) already have. I mean, I've been busy all day, so I haven't monitored any of the usual suspects. But I would wager that some of the most hardcore Trump supporters in the podcast world, the AM talk radio world, are all over Molly Michael. They're already working on kind of opposition research against these people, and they're going to do it. They're going to be his surrogates when it comes to these sorts of things. And even if there's a a gag order applied in the D.C. case with Judge Chutkin, it's not going to matter because, again, Donald Trump is going to have just have his people do the dirty work as far as smearing these people and intimidating them and doing all the usual things that we can anticipate uh, as far as, uh, you know, intimidating these witnesses and uh, and smearing them publicly, uh, you know, g- creating this case before there's ever a jury impaneled, creating this case that's already damaged. And, uh, oh, yeah. and that's my main concern. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just to bring it back to Walt Nauda really quick, Donald Trump's yeah. butler or whatever he is, the guy who moved the boxes, according to the actual indictment. And again, friends, I, I understand there's a lot of indictments. It's hard to keep track of. This is the 
documents one, uh, 45 pages. Uh, Walt Nauta claimed he didn't know how the boxes were kept and moved. They asked him if he was aware of any boxes being brought to Trump's home, and he said no. They asked Nauta if he had any information about where the boxes were kept or whether they were stored or locked up. And he said, I wish, I wish I could tell you. I honestly just don't know. She's turned over texts with this guy revealing yeah. that he knew all along and he spilled it. So it's like now they're going to have Donald Trump's right hand man dead to rights. I'm just waiting for her book to come out to find out what was the moment that broke her. You know, did Trump hit on her? Did he let Rudy hit on her? Like after being in that White House, what did it take after January 6th? But you keep on working for him. What was it that finally made her think, OK, this is one fraud too far? Yeah, because, you know, Trump is such a sweet guy, He's <laughs> such a nice boss, He's such a gregarious boss, such a generous boss, so uh, fluid with compliments and uh, and of course, bonuses. If you, He's very liberal with giving out extra money to people if they've done a good job incentivizing them with those sorts of. No, of course not. Donald Trump's a horrible <laughs> monster. And, and so it's no wonder that all these people are turning against him. It's just always a surprise that they didn't do it sooner. Because yeah. obviously this has been the trend all along that either these people turn against Donald Trump or he's going to throw them under the bus and that they don't see that trash compactor of insanity surrounding them is mind boggling to me that Rudy mm -hmm. Giuliani didn't see the fact that Donald Trump would toss him under the bus, that all these other people didn't see that. I mean, Donald, Donald Trump will blame everybody, including his children. Donald yeah. Trump will do and say anything he needs to do to escape having to go to prison, to escape accountability. He doesn't care how many enemies he makes of former friends. He'll make more, he thinks. Or, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what his rationale is inside that worm infested brain of his, but it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And he can smear her all he wants. He can dox her. He can have all the mean posts about her. I mean, MAGA can go after her. It doesn't matter. She's turned over yeah. the emails. She's turned over the text messages. But, but uh, speaking of sweet guys, which you just mentioned, let me let me shift it over to Elon Musk. Um, Tom Petty, about 20 years ago, put out a song called uh, The Last DJ. I think it's one of his best songs ever. And one of the lyrics is, as we celebrate mediocrity, all the boys upstairs want to see how much you'll pay for what you used to get for free. Yeah. And I thought of that quote when we heard Elon in a bizarre appearance with Benjamin Netanyahu of all places announced that, he, you know, he's, he's fixed Twitter so well, it's become a, a free place, a, a, a free range for every manner of Jew hater and racist and Nazi to go and post whatever they want. You can now spend eight dollars a month and give it to a billionaire and you can be verified even when you hide your name and face. And he's chased away all the influencers and all the special people that made that site fun in the first place. And now now he's figured out how to really make it work he's going to make everybody pay to use this site <laughs> it's just a mob restaurant yeah. being burned down for the insurance money bob what's it what is your take really on, is. on twitter is going to be something that everyone has to pay to use their own account they've had for over a decade yeah and i'm glad you brought up that tom petty example about radio because coming from broadcast radio I witnessed firsthand all of the horrible decisions made by one program director after another, one radio conglomerate after another that created essentially terrestrial radio's slow motion suicide, which it's still going through right now. It's dying because of its own bad decisions, how to handle things like the Internet, how to handle things like 
local programming and you know i'm talking about unique local programming not canned uh you know pre-recorded programming that comes in right. via satellite from someplace else but right. that has all destroyed broadcast radio uh to the point of where it is now which is just a, a vague shadow of its former se former self but elon musk is doing that exact same thing to twitter only a lot faster i mean it's been less than a year and Elon Musk has turned maybe the most important global communication platform into like a janky, sad mall. It's like it's any day now, Twitter is just going to turn into a spirit Halloween. That's essentially <laughs> what we're looking at here because of his crappy decision making, because of inexplicable things like. Hey, you know what? Wouldn't it be a good idea if we change the name to something no one gives a rip about and people are going to still just call it Twitter? Mm -hmm. How many times in pop culture has that happened before where there's Great. been a name change, but people always just call it the former thing? You're right. And then, you know, the, whether it's the verification system, whether it's replatforming anti-Semites and Nazis and white supremacists and, and selling uh, uh, Twitter blue uh, accounts to Russian propagandists. And now there's this brilliant idea where he thinks that somehow Twitter is going to prosper if he charges people micropayments to use the platform, which is essentially going to drive away any quality users. I mean, obviously, anyway, there's still going to be people it's because be there truth are people. Social. It's going to be truth social. Yeah, That's what he's going to yeah. do. Exactly right. It's going to be 8kun. I've been talking about this for a while now. What 8chan became this thing called 8kun because it was mm -hmm. so disreputable as the other thing, and they got shut down because of January 6th and so on. Became this other thing, just a different name, but it's still the same cesspool, this sewer of the worst people on the Internet. And that's essentially what Twitter is going to become. Anyone who, anyone who has any sort of valuable thing to say is going to absolutely abandon that platform. And I'm cheering it on. I hope he does it. I hope this is the thing. I hope this is the catalyst, the spark that drives everybody to another platform. And I got to say, along those lines, I hope it's not the Zuckerberg copycat platform. Uh, I hope be, it's, you know, it's going to be that it's going to be, that. it's probably, it's probably going to be that because I, I'm there and it looks active. It looks like Twitter feels like Twitter, but I, I still root for spoutable. I still root for Christopher boozy mainly because it's, yeah, me too. It's, it's a great platform. And this is a guy who's not one of these a-hole tech bros, uh, these insufferable bastards. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, here we are again with Mark Zuckerberg when just, just a few years ago, he was selling Russian Russian uh, ads with propaganda against Hillary Clinton for Donald oh, Trump. He'll be doing it again next year. He'll be doing it oh, again yeah, next yeah. year. I Same think, with uh, Elon Musk. I, I thought Trump's greatest achievement really was making George W. Bush look good. But my God, Elon has made Zuckerberg look good. It's it's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Bob, with our final minutes, uh, we're about 10 days away from a government shutdown. And Kevin McCarthy has no viable plan to fund the government. He is held hostage by the Nazi clot of his caucus. The Republican Senate is hanging their heads in shame. Are we going to have another incredibly unpopular Republican government shutdown right before a presidential election year? Yeah, my only wish is that this were a few months later, like someplace closer to uh, November 2024, because in this particular case, and I, I obviously in all seriousness, I don't root for a government shutdown. But when it of comes course. to the politics of this thing, normally when there's a government shutdown, there is 
kind of a, well, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. It's that Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing in each, at each other. In this case, it is purely 1,000% the Rodeo Clown Caucus in the House of Representatives. Mm. They are responsible for this, dragging their heels and refusing to support anything that Kevin McCarthy wants or anything certainly the Senate Republicans want to do. Exactly. Because they're in this power play right now. They're performing for Donald Trump's audience. And so right. that that's the guiding principle behind what they're doing. And the government's going to shut down because of it. And the Democrats will be well within their rights 100%, and I think this is going to resonate with swing voters and independent voters, that this is entirely about the uh, Republicans in disarray in the House of Representatives. Bob, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with your excellent work? Are we done already? Oh, my God. It's already, man. Already. I feel like I just sat down. Yeah, you can follow my podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I talked to the great Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Picard on my podcast today. So go and listen to that. Uh, BobSeskaShow.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. And you didn't talk about Star Trek, right? You were strike clean. No, Very no, well done. Stay away from it. He is Tim Russ is an amazing communicator when it Everyone comes to should American listen. politics. We'll be, yeah. we'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. down the sky. Fifty years ago today, Jim Croce died in a plane crash in Natchitoches, Louisiana. He had just completed recording his third album, I Got a Name, a week before. Gorgeous song. Didn't hear a lot about that anniversary today. God bless Jim Croce. We got a couple of minutes before our break. Marie in Atlanta on line three. Counselor, you may approach the bench. How are you? Good evening, John. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just very quickly, um, I was pleased to hear that the Senate is uh, relaxing its dress code, so I relaxed my work-from-home dress code, and I oh, wore good. my Fetterman bra today. <laughs> Ironically, I'm wearing a suit and tie when I do a radio show from my home, so I'm the anti-Fetterman. <laughs> well, here's what I wanted to call. Um, I'm hearing a lot of happy talk. Excuse me. The uh, wrong thing. When uh, there was the announcement about the judge's order, McAfee's order on yes. um, Cheeseboro being able to speak with the indictment grand jurors. Remember, yes. there's the difference between the ones that chose the indictment versus those that were the investigating ones. That's right. Um, there is something very, very wrong about this. The reason being, the grand jury process is usually secret. Um, the Although they, Cheeseboro's lawyers could have approached them Separately, their names are available. You could find out who they are and where they are. Could have done that. The grand jurors could have said, I can't speak to you. The judge has instead 
order that they will come, well, they will be questioned in his presence by with approved questions. And I'm sitting there thinking about, well, wait a minute. Cheeseboro provided no basis for this order. There was no, yeah. I saw a social media post or anything along those lines. In addition to that, in order to be present, I don't see Judge McAfee getting in his car and driving to these people's homes. Right. So now they're going to be ordered to come down to the Fulton County Courthouse so that they can be interviewed. And there's really a very limited number of questions that they could answer that don't delve into the grand jury deliberation process. They could okay. answer their name. They could answer whether they sat on the grand jury. They could answer whether they voted as reflected on the documentation, whether they felt that they were pressured, whether they felt that they were pressured by the district attorney, because if they ask if they were pressured by someone else, that gets into the deliberative process. Aha. They could be mm-hmm. <laughs> they could be asked um, what piece of information they found most compelling and what piece of information they found least compelling. But okay. that's about the narrow band of questions that I would think that they could actually answer. So what's going on what? here? I, I don't know. If you understand, McAfee's only been on the bench for, I think, a year, not even that. He was appointed by Kemp. He was Kemp's um, inspector. He was, he was the appointed uh, inspector general right. for the executive offices of the state of Georgia. And let's just say, I guarantee you, given the history of that role and that office, I bet there's a lot of things he didn't pay close attention to. Ooh, it's going to be fun, Marie. You better call us a lot. You're our official legal representative on the show, so thank you. Quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Today, Merrick Garland was testifying before the House Judiciary Committee, and Matt Gates and the Nazi caucus uh, plunged the entire thing into chaos by steamrolling Merrick Garland nonstop with questions that come from right-wing media that are asked for the purpose of getting airtime on right-wing media. It was it was pretty nuts. Before we get to our guests, let me just play you one quick clip. Here is uh, Representative Jim Jordan, <laughs> who shows how far we've come 
in our Congress. We went from a Speaker of the House Republican who raped uh, college wrestlers to a wannabe Speaker of the House who turned a blind eye to the rape of college wrestlers. Here's Jim Jordan grilling Merrick Garland over David Weiss and the issue that matters most to your family, Hunter Biden shit. Quote, Mr. Weiss has full authority to bring cases in other jurisdictions if he feels it's necessary. That was your response, Attorney General, to Senator Grassley's question on March 1st, 2023. Just referenced it when Mr. Bishop was questioning you. Only problem is he'd already been turned down by the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia, Mr. Graves. So he didn't have full authority, did he? I had an extended conversation with uh, Senator Grassley at the time. We briefly touched on the Section 515 question and how that process went. Um, I've never been suggested. My point's real simple, Mr. Garland. You said he had complete authority, but he'd already been turned down. He wanted to bring an action in the District of Columbia, and the U.S. attorney there said, no, you can't. And then you go tell the United States Senate under oath that he has complete authority. I'm going to say again that uh, no one had the authority to turn him down. They could refuse uh, to partner with him. They could not. You can use whatever language. Refuse to partner is turning down. Well, it's not the same under a well-known Justice Department practice. Here's. Okay, uh, and it only went downhill from there. But some people said some cool stuff, too. We'll play some of that. Along with our next guest, Tracy Pearson is a legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV and radio and heard on podcasts. And she's been quoted everywhere from the New York Post to Forbes and does TV across multiple Fox syndicates, including Cheddar News. And, of course, our pals over there at News Nation, Dr. Tracy Pearson. Welcome back to SiriusXM. Well, hello, John. It is wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. I think I had a better day than Merrick Garland, to tell you the truth. This guy has to go there and have his hat in his hand and do his job and just get grilled about Hunter. And God bless these guys who really care deeply about Hunter Biden for years and years and years. Um, They're just like the guys who cared so deeply about Benghazi until the day Trump was inaugurated and they never mentioned Benghazi again. I mean, these Hunter Biden guys are like those Star Wars fans who still defend Jar Jar, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to ask you, um, what do Lauren Boebert and Matt Getz and although I love News Nation, Chris Cuomo have in common? Um, I give up. What do Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and Chris Cuomo have in common? They confuse correlation and causation all the time. Mm, OK, unpack that, please. Well, I like where you're, yeah, I, I, totally, <laughs> I know where you're going. But in specifically, tell me what you're thinking. Well, let me explain correlation, which is uh, here's an example. Eating ice cream causes mosquito bites. And Mm -hmm. that is correlation where two things are happening simultaneously, but they're not caused by one another. So we know that mosquito bites aren't caused by eating ice cream. And the same goes for for Matt Gates. He talks about President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, as you know, he was uh, he became very uh, famous or very successful in the art world. And then his father becomes president and and there's some appointment made to some guy who who purportedly bought some art from Hunter Biden um, or that Hunter Biden uh, made um, or sold. Um, And that's that's correlation. That's not causation. Exactly. Um, The fact that President Biden uh, became president and Hunter Biden, it was successful in the art world. That's not the same as as causation. (laughs) I mean, you're right. And yet these guys are investigating every aspect of Hunter Biden's business dealings. And 
Tracy, my whole thing is this this only works in the bubble. I mean, this isn't going to help any of them win elections. It's not going to move anybody who's in the middle over to their side. The only people who care about Hunter Biden stuff are people who are just relentlessly watching right wing news. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the same thing Trump did with Hillary's emails, create a national perception that, you know, they're both equally corrupt. So what does it matter who you vote for? That really seems to be what all of this is serving. Yeah, except the problem being that um, Hillary Clinton had and and I supported Hillary multiple times. Hillary had a lot of baggage going into the election, and that's why the but her emails uh, became a a successful rallying cry. Uh, Joe Biden is squeaky clean. He is a guy who has served forever in the Senate. He took the train every day. He's a decent guy who's dealt with tragedy after tragedy, and um, he tries to do the best that he can. And he's not demonstrated that he is um, well corrupt like Donald Trump. But but if and but so if there if, if there's credible evidence if there's credible evidence that Joe Biden did commit a crime, I think the party he belongs to will be the first ones to throw him under the bus. I mean, consistently Absolutely. Democrats show that they are so well. You're accused of one Me Too thing. The Democrats will kick you out and the Republicans will promote you. I, I got to say, like, that's the difference in the parties to me. Hunter Biden got indicted. He's been indicted and no one gives a shit because if he's guilty, put him in jail. It's really easy. We're not a cult of obedience. Absolutely. I was saying this week on Twitter that uh, there's a distinction, the difference between the two parties, the division that we have is not because of two party system. And I want to get that out there. That is my position. OK, it's yeah. not because we have two parties. We could have a thousand parties. It wouldn't matter. The issue here is that the the conservatives have moved so far away from their core values and beliefs I and know. positions that they're unrecognizable, whereas the Democrats have maintained those beliefs and positions and, and only expanded upon them. And so that is the problem that we have, is that we have remained, in essence, the same, if you will, when it comes to our our views and our values and the belief that that we support human beings and and that we want to to lift people up and we don't discriminate and all of these things the the conservatives have literally gone in the opposite direction where they have taken on the mantle of you know that quiet thing that we don't say out loud we scream it and put it on billboards and buses now and so yeah. that is the thing that is is where the division is caused. And and so yes, I mean I, I do Democrats think Democrats I, I I do think Democrats have moved further to the left in recent years, but they've done it because the American populace has moved more to the left. Look at LGBT rights and equality and marriage equality. Like, you know, it was a Reagan appointee who wrote the opinion for the Supreme Court, but Democrats went that way because that's the way the national morality was going. Joe Biden has certainly gone more to the left on abortion. He, I mean, maybe he just did it to get the nomination, but he's he's been very committed to it. And we're seeing more Democrats than ever talking about single payer, nowhere near enough, but more and more Democrats every year are talking about the fact that Americans deserve the same access to health care as all of our capitalist allies overseas. Well, and this brings me back to Merrick Garland. The, the reason I think that Democrats have, have become a little bit more progressive is because we've learned. We're willing to open our minds and learn things. That's what these hearings are supposed to be for. They're not supposed to be um, political stunts. They're supposed yeah. to be, you take testimony in order to educate yourself. And what happens is the stupid representatives sit there and they pontificate and and bully pulpit 
it, for their time, they're not there to learn anything. There's no curiosity that, that drives from their faces when they're sitting there. And that is the problem. You're right. Here, I want to play a clip of a friend of the show, Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, asking Merrick Garland if uh, Joe Biden ordered him to indict Donald Trump. Because, of course, uh, they just indicted Joe Biden's son. Here's the clip. Uh, on Sunday, the former president appeared uh, on a national news Sunday program and was asked about four indictments uh, and 91 counts facing him. His response was Biden indictments. Excuse me, Biden political indictments. He said to the attorney general, he said to the attorney general, indict him. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, I want to give you a chance to respond. Was the president telling the truth or was he lying when he said that President Biden told you to indict him? No one has told me uh, to indict. And in this case, the decision to indict was made by the special counsel. So that statement the president made on Sunday was false. I'm just going to say again that uh, no one has told me uh, who should be indicted uh, in, uh, in, in, in any matter like this. And uh, the decision about indictment was made by Mr. Smith. I mean, like the Robert Mueller investigation handed Democrats 10 ironclad instances of Trump obstructing justice. And the Democrats said, oh, that, that's nice and dropped it, dropped it like, you know, grand juries and special prosecutors do these indictments, not Joe Biden. Exactly. The Trump was, in fact, lying, but he was also projecting. He was projecting what he will do should he gain office again. He will direct the DOJ to indict all of his political adversaries. Can I play one more clip from this today? Because it, it got it got interesting and it got ugly, but there were a few good moments. Um, Matt Gates made it all about Matt Gates, like he does. And I'm not going to play any Matt Gates clips because, you know, Rapey McFoy. Thank you. Can, thank you. Mm -hmm. But here's Steve Cohen, Democratic representative from Tennessee, pointing out that, you know what? If this Justice Department is as weaponized as you say, Matt Gates is the perfect target, yet no one's going after him. Did Devin Archer not say Joe Biden did nothing wrong? Um, be clear, I only know about Mr. Archer from newspaper reports. I want to be clear that I kept my promise to not involve myself in this okay, investigation. Okay, I'll state it. He said in the, he, Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Secondly, did you say that President Trump... President Trump appointed Weiss, who then you appointed? Yes, President Trump appointed Mr. Weiss as United States attorney. So that, that should take care of that issue. And they say the, wep the department's been weaponized. Wasn't there an investigation of Mr. Gates and you didn't prosecute him? Justice Department does not make comments about its investigation. Well, it's so we're not weaponized. If we were weaponized, we'd have done it. That was a beautiful exchange there. It shows we didn't do that. <laughs> Merrick Garland bringing the sexy. I mean, it's all theater, right, Tracy? It is. It is. It is theater. It is not there for the purpose in which it's supposed to serve, which is to educate. It's not there to educate the public. It is there to educate the committee members for the purposes of them being able to prepare legislation to pass. They can't govern. That's not what they do. Every time we see a Republican House, they engage in this stupidity of investigation after investigation, which results in nothing. And we end up usually with a Republican-led government shutdown. Yeah. I always ask, when has the Republican Party put non-millionaires first 
on a legislative policy level since Richard Nixon and the earned income tax credit. You know, don't tell me tax cuts. Every tax cut is designed for the super rich and a little bit trickles down to working people. When has the Republican Party legislatively prioritized non-millionaires? I, I, oh, yeah, I'm still don't. waiting for an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, nope. they don't. I want to shift a little bit and uh, talk about um, book bannings and the censorship we're seeing around. Because schools nationwide, as you know, have been challenged on books with any kind of LGBTQ themes or characters. And a lot of those books have been removed. Right now, 11 states are banning any discussion of LGBTQ people in at least some of their public schools and what's called these don't say gay laws. Um, and five additional states require parental consent for discussion, according to the project. So I'm saying that to set up this story that I, 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 I hadn't heard about, about a teacher who has quit rather than censor himself. And it's literally over a story about Batman. And it's not what you think. We're not saying anything about Robin. All right. That relationship was totally above board. Um, what can you tell us about what's going on right now in, in the state of Georgia? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark Tyler Nobleman. Um, he is is a guy who who is giving a lecture in, in Atlanta school system. Um, and uh, he um, was talking about who the secret co-creator of Batman was. Um, and that is person uh happened to have the, the secret co-creator bill finger is his name bill finger um, now by the way comic book geeks know this name he's exactly. a, a legendary guy everyone talks about all the guys that you know like stan lee takes the credit for creating all those characters or many of them and of course finger was someone that you know no one ever thought about we all think bob kane was the only creator of batman that's right. And um, he had a son his name was fred and fred happened to be gay now, Fred also had a daughter, uh, Athena. And um, what happened was that, that this guy, Mark, um, wanted to make sure that, that, that DC Comics, that they credited Bill as a co-creator. Yeah. But there was nobody in the family, he thought, who could press the issue until he learned and discovered that there was this, this woman, Athena, who then the came gay to an son, agreement. The, the, the gay son who died of AIDS-related complex in 92 actually had a daughter and that meant that bill finger had a had a had a living heir exactly and so now that's the setup and so what happens is he he gives these lectures and and the the kicker here the real the crux of the story is that bill had a son named fred and fred had a daughter named athena and um they did not want him mark to talk about the fact that fred was gay and um or even mention it's such it. a it, minor detail in the entire story isn't it i mean this guy wrote a book about this and there was a documentary called batman and bill that this guy spoke in and he's given this lecture a thousand times in schools times. about how they were able to get dc to give the late bill finger a co-creator credit on batman it's it, this guy gives his speech all, he tells the story he was part of the movement right it seems and, like it's pretty innocent and the issue of of Fred being gay would elicit questions. And so the school asked him to leave that out. And so he quit. He said, I'm not going to do the last two lectures. Have a nice day. Unreal. And I thought that was brilliant. Good for him. Unreal. I mean, this guy has given this lecture a thousand times. And and I yeah, I hope and the story kids goes were pretty upset. They were upset because they wanted to hear it. And, and they said, you know, people were saying and then the kids were included in this. We're, we're saying the school was bullying this guy. I mean, even mm -hmm. kids understand it. 
Of course, Even because kids, kids get it. Junior high and high school kids. <laughs> I mean, sure, some of them are going to be anti-gay bigots, but by and large, they've grown up in a world where marriage equality has been the norm for almost nine years. They're not going to be bigots about this. They're not going to be freaked out by it. And if anything, they're immune. I used to do military shows all the time, and all the troops were so embarrassed of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. You know, the authoritarians try to stop the flow of information, and people know when it's being stopped. Which brings us to what just happened in Texas. I mean, we, we've heard about the illustrated graphic novel version of Anne Frank's diary, a book we all read. We all read the text when we were growing up. And now a Texas middle school teacher has been fired after assigning the graphic novel version of Anne Frank's diary to an eighth grade reading class. Yes. And that's because there is a reference in this graphic novel that was included in the original diary that had been left out in other editions. I think it has has been re-included now in, in later editions. But it's a reference to Anne talking about um, genitals and, and talking about wanting to see her friend's breasts. And mm-hmm. this, remember, she's 13. Okay, so 13-year-old And she kids. wrote about male and female genitalia in her diary. I mean, it's literally a girl trying to figure out the world when she's living in a very extraordinarily scary circumstance. Exactly. And and they want just think about that just for a second. A 13 year old kid wrote these words that other 13 year old kids aren't being allowed to, to read. Oh, no, I'm sorry. A 13, year, a 13 year old kid wrote them 80 years ago and they're terrified of it now. It's 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 obscene. That is the thing that's obscene, not the words. What they're uh, attributing to them and what they're extrapolating, what they're afraid of. It is, you know, that parents are the ones that need to talk about this stuff with their kids. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. You know, I I read Anne Frank's diary when I was in school. I sat through and watched all of the documentaries on the Holocaust, which were horrifying and they should be horrifying. You know, I I saw all of the documentaries and and, uh, uh, read all of the the, the books that we read in school about uh, slavery and racism and and all of the things that that, the things that have happened in this country that are historical fact. And and I'm better for it. I'm a better human being for it. And I, I can talk to and relate to people because of that. And we're taking that away from these kids. And it's all just fear. I mean, it's. Like, I always say this all the time, Tracy, every curse word I have ever learned in my life, I learned from a child in a playground. (laughs) No adult ever taught me a single sex position. No adult ever taught me any bad words. I learned it all from children in the 80s when I was growing up. Kids already know. Can you tell me where in history the good guys ever banned books in any society? When, when, When did the good guys in any culture in human history ban knowledge yeah that never happened yeah no 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 all of the burnings were bad in fact you know it was interesting i it not this is sort of related in that i just got a new sweatshirt that arrived and it says we didn't burn witches we burned women that's so right. I, I mean, this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about burning knowledge. We're talking about and and the representation of what that banning is is doing you're banning and frank Okay. Do you know who Anne Frank is, people? You're banning the people who are, are, you know, uh, youth poet laureates who who happen to be black. This is just crazy. Anne Frank is literally writing this journal because she's hiding from the Nazis who burned books. And you're burning books. 
Um, yeah. It's kind of beautiful. We're at 866-997-4748. Uh, you want to talk to some of our evil army of the night, Dr. Tracy? Bring them on. I love them. I love them all. All right. Let's go over to uh, Stephen in Kentucky, who's been on hold forever. Stephen, thank you for your patience. You're on with Dr. Tracy. Stephen, oh, my God. I thought something had happened to you. I missed you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much. How are you this evening? We are ducky, Um, aren't we? Well, yes. And I wrote down some things I wanted to address tonight. First of all, John, I wanted to mention, you were mentioning the curse. The zero yes, curse. the zero factor. Well, I'd like to add something to that. Nancy Reagan, whether you love the woman, whether you hated her, were in between. Mrs. Reagan was the one who was involved with astrology, and it was yes. her astrologer, actually, that helped pinpoint the time, because she had a bad feeling mm-hmm. that something was up that day, and she was only a couple blocks away from where her husband was, and it had something also to do with um, later on they credited her with that i forgot what it was but i had read it before but i think um a lot of people never gave her some credit for that although i remember well i I give credit because i found the astrology one of the more likable things about the reagans so i give a lot of credit for that other stuff not so much much. but i know with her she um you know she yeah and and i will say too you know, I think that, that it was good that she was, because you were mentioning uh, Robert Lincoln, too, I believe, yes. uh, a little bit ago. And his mother was, Mary Todd, I always felt sorry for her anyway. I had a lot of respect for I her. I did, and, too. I think Steven I, Spielberg's movie finally gave her some dignity. I really did. Well, she, yeah, and she, she suffered, they said, from, uh, they think back in those days it was, um, oh, uh, manic depressive disorder. She, I think she was a diabetic, and I believe... At the time she was in the White House, I think she was also suffering, uh, going through menopause, too. Mm-hmm. So she was going through a lot, you know, during that uh, that period. And and she tried to add a little style. You know, it, oh, my God, that's such a horrible thing to do. We're talking about beauty in the world as well. You all were talking to Anne Frank and that. And, um, you know, I guess it doesn't dawn on these voyeurs out here, these, uh, these Puritan voyeurs that... Uh, you know, you make something forbidden, make it a forbidden fruit, people are going to start doing it for the wrong reasons they are. Yeah, you're this right. This is where the problem lies. I don't understand, quite frankly, with, you know, we need liberal sex education. I think kids need to understand that... Um, what's liberal sex education? What's, what's, what's liberal sex education? <laughs> it need... means that we do it more frequently, I think. <laughs> no, it means that we actually talk about it, go beyond... Well, we've been conditioned to talk about, you know, with vagina and penis and all. And let's really talk about dessert toppings. Let's talk about being a little kinky, but at the same time. No, yeah, I don't think you'll also, ever, you will never get parents to sign on to talking well, about kink. In because, sc- and, no, and that's the problem. No, but I, I disagree. I think kink, I think kink is like religion, and I don't want the government teaching it to my kids. I want them to discover spirituality and perversion in their own free time. That, 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 <laughs> That's where, but I, we but have I, the internet. I mean, we're good. I, th- we're good. Yeah. I think the problem is, though, that we automatically assume anything sexual in nature is perverted. 
That's not necessarily the case. I mean, it can be, but it also cannot be if it's done for the right reasons. Well, which That's brings us to Lauren, culture. which bring, which brings us to Lauren Boebert, doesn't it? Because you know we're watching Lauren Boebert, who's said the most god awful, hateful things about transgender and gay people, or or let's say Christy Nome, who said the horrible things about transgender people, and then we see how they conduct themselves. You know, I keep bringing it back to Jesus. It's never about the sin; it's always about the hypocrisy. Well, that's what I would say, too, with regards to that. I think that's important because I don't have a problem with someone having a personal life. When Melania Trump was first lady, I had a lot of friends who criticized her working in erotic films. I've I've known people that have been in the sex industry, and it doesn't bother me. But what does bother me is the hypocrisy. I I have more respect for Stormy Daniels than I do for her, because, hell, we all know that Melania Trump was a courtesan. We all know that. We don't all know that. That is not for no, my friend, that is not proven. We cannot say that. We do not all please. We do not. You want to you want to show me your physical evidence proving that I will respect it. But until then, we don't know that we know that she modeled the way she modeled. And I can't judge her for that because God knows I got all kinds of skeletons and no one wants to see me doing naked modeling. That she was (laughs) the reason why he he allied himself with the uh, pillow king is because she was lying down on the job. Let's just say that now going on beyond that for a moment. Uh, I also wanted to mention your um, interview with Marianne Williamson. Sure. Um, I think Marianne proved that she's delightfully charming. I think she's intellectual. I think she's somebody that actually looks outside the box for solutions to the problems that we've had, which we really do need. And I like the idea that she brings up spirituality versus religion. I would actually uh, disagree with you on something you mentioned that... uh, You know, this uh, debate goes back to the inception of our country between patrician versus egalitarian. I think it Mm -hmm. goes back to organized religion versus spirituality, because it goes even further than this. People focus too much on that. Look, we're all we're all subconsciously influenced by organized religion. And that's the problem, because because they always focus on bellicosity they do they focus on trying this is where it and i know what i'm talking about because when i had my breakdown i had a chance to actually examine some of the things in my subconscious right we got to hit a break we got to hit a break Stephen. so 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 let me let, let's wrap please tell me uh, about the bellicosity I'm here for it. Well, I mean, the fact, just like with sex we were just talking about, they make everything out to be, you know, black and white, you know, this and that. If people had an, uh, a chance to pursue their romantic ideals in this life, they would be so much happier. But yet we don't, we think that's unrealistic in this culture, which is really interesting because, and, and it's our judicial system, it's our, the way our politics is set up, the way our healthcare system is set up. Until we have consciousness level raising and realize we need to go beyond what we've been conditioned to believe is real, then guess what? We're going to be in this same mess we are. You it's got it, man. Fear of the unknown, overcoming, not succumbing. We, thank you, Stephen. We, we got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. Uh, what a great show we had tonight. We'll be back again for some more tomorrow. This is SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.